Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Today's another special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world who share with us some of the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in Taiwan, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show Angela Wu, a senior associate, and Lillian Xu, an associate, Li Sai, and partners in Taiwan. Ladies, how are you today? We are doing great. Thank you, Pete. Happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, this is a fascinating part of the world for us in North America. I'm in Philadelphia. You know, I get to work with a lot of people around the world on this podcast, but I don't really get to understand some of the ins and outs of working in that jurisdiction. And that's what Travel Tuesday is all about, to give our audience a firsthand look from a legal perspective about the laws and so forth that they'll be dealing with when they visit or employ people in your countries, but also to just get an idea of what it's like to do business there. So let's start out, first of all, if one of you can give me a general overview of your jurisdiction, maybe talk about the economy, the population, demographics, some of the government structure issues. Who's going to take me out on that? I'll share something about our geography, demography, and government structure. Taiwan sits at a key location overseeing multiple air and sea transportation routes across the Asian Pacific region. It's the case among Japan, mainland China, and 10 ASEAN countries, which are large economies in the world. Before the pandemic, the average flight from, from Taipei to Tokyo, Seoul, Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Singapore, and other major cities in the Western Pacific is only around three hours. This feature makes Taiwan an attractive place for trade and transport business. Taiwan has a total area of about 36,000 square kilometers, about two-thirds of which is mountainous. Most of the population is gathered on the hills, basins, and coastal plains on the west side of the island. In general, the island can be characterized overall as a small, densely populated area. Move on to population and demographic issue. According to the Ministry of the Interior Census data, Taiwan has a population of around 23 million. Although Taiwan's population shows an aging trend with decreasing births, the recent labor force participation rate is still high and is 59%, which means there are nearly 60% of the population is available to work. Moreover, for the age over 15, the literacy rate in Taiwan is approximately 99%, and the rate of receiving higher education comes to around 46%. Both rates keep increasing, which shows that Taiwan has a potential to provide high-quality workers. Taiwan's government structure consists of a central government and a number of regional governments. The central government is headed by the president and composed of the executive yuan, the legislative yuan, the judicial yuan, the examination yuan, and the control yuan. For regional government, Taiwan currently has six direct administrative government and 13 county governments. 
So with the advantage in location and workforce quality, Taiwan can be a great place for employers to start a business. Excellent. Well, let's talk about some of the key industries in your jurisdiction. Fill us in on that if you can. I know we know a lot of things are manufactured in Taiwan, but what are some of the big draws for manufacturing and so forth that you work in? The primary mover of Taiwan's economy is the semiconductor industry. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the demand for work from home and remote education starting from 2020 second quarter has spurred growth for electronic equipment, the components of which are heavily comprised of semiconductor products exported by Taiwan. The semiconductor industry in Taiwan is expected to attain an output of $4 trillion in 2021, which would make up about 20% of Taiwan's overall GDP. From an international market demand perspective, the most important firm in Taiwan's semiconductor industry is TSMC which currently accounts for 84% of the global wafer manufacturing capacity. The degree of reliance placed on TSMC by global tech giant can be seen in an estimate from a study that says if Taiwan were to be rendered unable to manufacture wafers for an entire year, the global tech industry's aggregate loss of revenue would approach 500 billion US dollars. The importance of Taiwan's semiconductor industry on the domestic economy and global market is therefore undeniable. Well, so let's talk about employing. And again, it sounds like semiconductors and all of our manufacturers are, are buying those through Taiwan. But let's talk about what it's like to employ locally. Are there works councils? Do you have unions there? What does it look like to do business in Taiwan from an employment standpoint. Angela, can you give us some feedback on that? Uh, Yes. Recently, the discussion on labor issues is mainly focused on discriminatory treatment. On general aspects, Taiwan's Employment Service Act already prohibits discriminatory treatment by an employer to its employees and prospective job candidates. The equal employment opportunity-related issues of recent note in Taiwan, however, are with respect to the age and gender of the employee. In December 2019, the Middle Age and Elderly Employment Promotion Act was passed in which the competing authorities and at all central and regional levels are asked to implement measures to assist unemployed middle-aged, which is 45 to 65 years old, and elderly individuals, which is 65 plus years old, return to employment, including financial aid or support. Employers who hire elderly individuals who have reached the statutory age of retirement for passing on their expertise and experiences should receive support from the Central Competence Authority to do so. And in terms of gender, the Grand Justice had announced in August this year that preventing female workers from working nighttime shifts is unconstitutional. Previously, Taiwan's Labor Standard Act has in principle prohibited employers from causing female workers to work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next morning in the name of safety, women's health, and role in the family. However, the Grand Justice stated that preventing female workers from working nighttime shifts constitutes a restriction on their freedom to work. While the perception of women focusing 
on the home appears to be merely reinforcing traditional gender stereotypes. And in response to the grand justice interpretation of law, Taiwan's Ministry of Labor has announced that it intends to submit its proposals regarding the protection for nighttime shift workers, regardless of gender, in the near future. So let's talk about it. It sounds like there are protections for employees, and we're, we're, we're working on developing more and more of those. Certainly a lot of manufacturing jobs there. But in general, would you describe the business climate as pro-business or leaning more towards protecting the employees? What do you think? Generally, I would say we are a pro-employee jurisdiction because Taiwan's Labor Standard Act prescribes strong protections for employees in Taiwan, especially with respect to restriction on termination of employees and benefits with respect to birth and caring of young children. In Taiwan, employees may not be terminated at will by an employer. Termination must be based on the circumstances provided in the Labor Standards Act. Those grounds may include, for example, contraction of business, changing in nature of business and unable to find suitable new position for such employee. With respect to child care benefits, an employee has five days of full pregnancy check leave during pregnancy and eight weeks of full pay maternity leave total before and after birth. An employee whose spouse is in labor is also given five days of full pay paternity leave. And after six full months of service, an employee may apply for a maximum of two years of unpaid child care leave for a child less than three years old. Although such leave is unpaid, the employee may apply to the Bureau of Labor Insurance during the first six months of such child care leave receive 80% of the insured monthly wage as support. So ladies, it's a very interesting market. You know, it's densely packed. There's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of major manufacturing, a tremendous GDP for the size of the population, the size of the area. Let's talk about cross-border opportunities with Taiwan. You know, what are some of the immigration standards for doing business in Taiwan? Is it easy to get in there? Is it hard to get in there? And are there any visas or special exceptions that's available through the government. Can you fill us in on that, Angela? Oh, yes. For the immigration standards for foreign workers, as of October 2021, there are about 40,000 foreigners who are hired by employers in Taiwan for a professional or technical position. This represents significant growth from the approximately 26,000 individuals in 2011. Most of the growth can be attributed to the government's strong push for foreign professional workers to come to Taiwan, along with a relaxing of regulatory restrictions. In general, a foreigner who intends to work in Taiwan will need to get their employer to apply and obtain a hiring permit on their behalf first before they may obtain a work visa and apply for an alien residency card to stay in Taiwan. However, Starting from 2018, a gold card that combines a work permit, residency visa, alien residency card, and re-entering permit into the four-in-one document is available for foreigner. In the gold card application, the foreign individual no longer needs to employ it by Taiwan employer first, as long as the foreign individual is a specialist in certain fields. For example, technology, economy, education, art, sport, law, and architecture design so far. Or make at least 
160,000 dollars per month recently in another country or in Taiwan, they can submit the gold card application on their own. Gold card holders are entitled to certain preferential treatment under the law, such as faster immigration process, insurance, and preference tax rate of up to 50% reduction for amounting exceeding a threshold if making over $3 million per year for a first-time gold card applicant. With that said, some restrictions on foreign workers remain in place to protect domestic workers to some extent. For example, Foreign workers' average monthly salary should not be lower than NT47, $941 in principle. And the foreign spouse of the resident foreign worker engaging in professional and technical work or a managerial position at a foreign-owned entity may not be paid a wage at that is lower than NT200 per hour. Further, unless the foreign worker has a master's degree or a higher in the relevant field, the foreign worker must possess a bachelor's degree or higher and have two years of related work experience for eligibility to apply for a work permit. From the employer qualification perspective, if an employer looking to hire foreign workers has been established for less than one year, it must present proof that it has paid in capital or at least $25 million. For those that have been established for more than a year, they must have an operational turnover in the past year or an average annual operational turnover during the past three years of $10 million or greater. An average annual import and export value of more than US $1 million or an average annual commissions received of more than US $4 $100,000. This threshold also represents a relatively high bar to meet for startups as well as small and medium businesses. Well, thank you very much for that, Angela and Lillian. It's been a very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Pete, for having us to discuss these matters today. Yes, thank you, Pete. Happy to be here. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Angela and Lillian, you can reach them by clicking on their names in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from the online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.